I think what one we need to add onto this is sin number five and a half. Always, always, always listen to the guy's name, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy. Yes, Jeremiah. No, oh, I don't Jeremiah? know about Jeremiah. Damn it. Check, 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 check. Oh, Jeremiah's there. Beautiful, beautiful. Here we are, player. Let's talk about episode twenty-eight. Hoss, start us up. Episode twenty-eight. Let's talk about it and let's record it. All right, we're back. Episode 28. We are back. You know what? Let's skip sponsors today. I'm a little irritated with our sponsors right now. Especially you, OD. Damn it, OD. <laughs> you know, OD, we love you. He does love you. If he listened, he would bring us whiskey because we, we verbally listened. Him. I don't think he's listening. I don't think he's listening. He's not. Let's call him out. OD called out. All right. Here we are. Episode 28. You know, I like 27. That was a good one. Mm. We got to talk about our bread and butter. The Sindo. What do you want to do in 28, player? You know, we've got lots of things to talk about. 20 is going to be a good episode. I can feel it. Why is that? I just feel it. I think that, you know, sometimes when we when we go off script a little bit and we go through a hossa buster, that's <laughs> a, a filibuster when Ben talks a lot. Uh, well, I had a topic in mind. Okay. So most episodes, at some point, Jerry will talk about David Goggins and Jesse Itzler. Or his two favorite. He's the biggest fanboy ever of those guys on Instagram. Ever. He loves them, loves them, loves them. But I'm going to do the same thing a little bit. I follow an account on Instagram called Personal Finance Club. I am giving full credit to Jeremy. Actually, his name is Jeremy, too. I don't blame him. Jeremy at Personal Finance Club. Go follow him. He's out of San Diego. He actually knows our boy Than Merrill. Or Why? Than knows him. Why wouldn't he? So this guy has an awesome page. He does all sorts of really cool infographics, and he does a lot of data deep dives. Say that three times fast. Data, data deep dives. Data deep dives. Data deep dives. But I came across one of his posts just the other day. I sent it to you, Jim. Do it. And I really liked it. And he titled this, The Seven Sins of Investing. So basically, what not to do in investing. And uh, again, I want to give full credit to Jeremy at Personal Finance Club. We're going to go over these. And we're going to talk a little bit about each one. Okay. So this is what not to do with investing, folks. Number one. Sin number one. You should not hold cash in a retirement account. Do you want to explain what that means? Why I would not hold cash in a retirement account? Yeah. So when, okay, I'll do it because Jeremiah has no idea what's going on here. When you invest in a 401k or an IRA, it always has to be through a custodian. Okay. A vehicle. Which is going to be a Vanguard, a Schwab, a T. Rowe Price, a Fidelity, something like that. Those are the custodians that manage your retirement accounts. Correct. So when you invest in a 401k or an IRA, you have a, a list of funds or stocks that you can invest in from that custodian. For example, my 401k is through Vanguard, and there's a menu of different things you can invest in. One of the things you can also park your money in is cash. So how it works for most people is you, is you set it up with your, with your payroll department you know, on your work day, you know, which a lot of people use is you set up your deductions for your retirement accounts. And let's just say it's 10%. And that percentage that you automatically deduct into your retirement account, you can then go to your custodian and you can decide what it goes into. And you can put it into one fund, multiple funds, or you can also put a piece of it in cash where it just sits there in cash ready to deploy at any time. Ah, uh, yes. So the first sin of investing is to never let it sit in cash because what do we know about cash, player? Well, player, we come through a thing called uh, inflation right now. Your, inflation. your cash is 
your cash yes. is worth less than it was yesterday. Yes. So two things are happening. Number one, your cash is losing value if it's sitting there because of that hidden little thing called inflation that actually devalues your money. You're also missing out on the growth opportunity that it could be if it was invested in a fund or a stock. Yes. Yeah, so what okay. happens when the market goes down? I could lose money. You sure could. But statistically, over the course of time, the market will go up 8% every year. So assuming you're in a nice mix of either index funds or mutual funds, that your money over time will go up the same way. Well, okay. okay. Deadly sin number so one. So that is sin number one. Never let your money sit in cash in a retirement account. Words from the mighty hoss. I might argue to never let cash, uh, other than an emergency fund, anything beyond your emergency fund should never be sitting in, in cash. You should always have it invested in something. Hmm. That way I would say that. But we'll, go, we'll talk about that another time. Okay. Be your own bank. Seven sins of investing. Sin number two. Number two. And this, it's pointing right at you and I because we spent a lot of time discussing the big mistake that we made in 2021. Sin number two is picking individual stocks. Ooh. Yeah. Wah, we, wah, we did wah. this. We're guilty. We're oh, we, guilty. And you know what? We're paying for it. Uh, we gave it a, so we gave it a whirl. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but yeah. That one still stings a little bit. I watch it every day. Oh, it's been up the last two days. Yeah. You know what? The allure of the single stock, because it could just pop and you can make so much money quicker. The allure is there, and that's why so many people get bit by it. Or, but they, again, win. or they win. Statistically, over time. I just don't win. The market always goes up 8 You know, S&P always goes up 8%. You know, I don't know what the Dow goes up, like 9 or something like well, that. Well, that's why they call it the casino player. Yep. <laughs> Invest in index funds and mutual funds. Do not pick individual stocks. Or or, or let me rephrase it. Or pick good ones. Or pick good ones. Yeah. At that point, is, again, you're guessing. It, you're gambling. It's a casino. Yeah, I mean, buy low, sell high. That? I mean, it's a simple concept. So simple. Yeah. Well, if it's so simple, then how come, how come you're not at the POF? That's because I bought, I bought high, and I bought high, and I, and I now it's low. And it's low. Yeah. Uh, quick update on that, by the way. It is now down 75% from my initial purchase. We need a big rally. Sin number three. Number three. Sin number three. Chasing past performance. Ooh, we should talk about that one. Let's talk about it. To me, can we talk about Bitcoin in this? Maybe no chasing <laughs> past performance. But I, I don't. I mean, I, no. It instantly came to my mind though. What's that? Past performance. But I. Uh, but maybe it's. I guess I'm. Maybe it's twofold. Maybe I could dovetail this a little bit. I think it's past performance. For example, you're gonna Jeremiah Buster. Yeah, maybe. So maybe you got the casino and you lost money. Do you go get more money and double down so you can make your money back quicker? Of course you do. Any good gambler does that. I know, right? Yeah. So is that chasing past performance or is that chasing past performance on a certain investment? Well, I think you can argue it either way. That's kind of what I would argue. I mean, yep. it's it's um, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a drug, too, and you want to get that money back as soon as you can get it back. So be careful with that one, boy. That one will bite you in the double bite. Mm, mm. Well, the other way is, like I said, with... Bitcoin's a good example right now just because Bitcoin is down from its all-time high and a lot of the a lot of the cryptos are but any stock you know assuming that because it did well last year assuming that it's going to do well this year is what Jeremy and at personal finance club is talking about here is don't just assume because it's done well in the past that it's going to do well in the future where's Bitcoin today I have no idea I think it's in 30s 36 I don't know I haven't checked it in a while I'll stop checking okay go on so that is sin number three do not chase past performance Seven sins of investing. Sin number four is trying to time the market. Oof. I have this discussion with a very 
beautiful individual that happens to live in my house. Her name's Kristen. Go on. And she's amazing. Uh, but one thing we jokingly argue about all the time. Oh, yeah, Bitcoin's at 38. Yeah, it was at 64 at one time. Timing the market. Okay, so here's the deal, folks. Statistically. It's a big word for you. <laughs> if you try to time the market, statistically, you will end up making less. That's, that's, that's just how the money, that's, or that's how the data works out. If you try to time the market, meaning if you try to try to buy at the low and try to sell at the high, I can't tell you how many people I know that when COVID hit and the market started to tank and the market tanked and it went down, 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 and they said, okay, I'm pulling out of the market and they sold a big chunk of their portfolio just at the bottom and then it started to go back up, up, up and they missed so much growth when if they just sat tight and not sold anything, they would have been well off. In fact, I know one individual that I think lost in the range of like five to six hundred thousand dollars on his retirement account because he tried to time it. Don't I mean, time I would the market, say, folks. I would say I was guilty of that in like two thousand six, two thousand eight. I pulled my money out. I didn't lose any. The problem is I didn't buy back in quick enough. But I didn't lose any. I slept fine. Don't try to time the market. Statistic, time the market. St- statistically, you will lose if you try to time it. There's a, a Jeremy at Personal Finance Club had this great infographic, and I wish I had it right in front of me. And he he. He basically took a big data set from the S&P and he write, he like writes his own algorithms or he's a coder or something like that. But he ran this algorithm against the data from the S&P that said if you had bought, there was a like a 40-year period that if you had bought at the high and sold at the low, meaning when you got in was the high of the market at that time, like let's call it, I don't know, 1980 before a crash. And then if you sold everything at the low, in 2008, when the market crashed, you still would have realized somewhere in the range of like 7% growth. Not bad. So that's that just goes to show you, even if you, you know, when you get in, there's a lot of people right now I know that are saying, man, the market's been so high for so long. I think I'll just wait. I'm going to wait for the market code to go down before I get in. It's a bad recipe. If you got money, get in now. I think that, and don't sell. I think last year. And I hold it for a long time. Last year or even last five years, I'd probably say in real estate and the and or the stock market, the worst thing you that you could have done was wait, not buy, not buy. I mean, just killed it. I mean, that, I think everybody, every is too strong of a term. A majority of the investors, especially during COVID and the, the stock market hit the bottom, well, hit hit all time lows. You should have just kept buying, just buy, buy, mm-hmm. buy, and just like, boom, watch it go up. And I'm, I think most people probably did in their 401k platform. They probably just didn't know it. They were buying. They lost some money, but they were buying at the same time at a very low rate. So it probably f- wash itself out in the net net to probably be a, ahead. Yep. So that was sin number four, timing the market. Number four, timing the market. No bueno. Sin number five is paying high fees. Ooh. So what he's talking about now is when you go to invest in index funds, mutual funds, you can look in their prospectus or in you know even on Yahoo Finance, all this information is public. And what is the fees that the fund managers charge to manage the fund? Mm. And so uh, I think what a, a common or a standard or a an acceptable fee would be somewhere in the half a percent range. The example that Jeremy gives here in this uh, in this uh, in this image is you know there are some mutual funds that were charged upward upwards of like two percent. And so it's a a small, small percentage, but it's a big number when you do the math over time, it just erodes your profits. In fact, the example that he gives right here, 
that is if you invested $500 a month in a low fee index fund between 1980 and 2020, it returned almost twice as much money as a mutual fund with a 2% annual fee. So this example he's giving here, the low, the low fee, he doesn't say how much, I'm guessing half a percent index fund, 500 bucks a month over 40 years would return $3.2 million. The same amount of money invested over the same time period in a mutual fund with a 2% annual fee, $1.6 million. So it was half. And that's just in the fees, folks. Hmm. Performance is the same. It's the fees that make the difference there. So that's sin number five, paying high fees. Really pay attention to that when you're investing in mutual funds and index funds. I think what one we need to add onto this is sin number five and a half. Always, always, always listen to the guy's name, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy. Yes. Jeremy? No. Oh, I don't Jeremy? know about Jeremy. Damn it. Okay. That was number five. Sin number six. Number six. Thinking short term. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, said it a thousand times. I will say it again. This whole investing game, folks, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. So anytime you think you're going to whatever you're getting in, if it's a get rich quick, if you think you're going to double your money next week or even in the next year, your chances of losing money are higher than gaining money. Yeah, but I, I also think that that um, even short term or long term, for example, if, if you're if your money doubles overnight. I would one would contest that you know what that's pretty damn good return and in a normal market that's seven years of growth in one month or whatever it may be. When you think of short term, you're thinking it'll go double over again overnight the next night, right? Or it's gonna keep going up. I would contest, sell it, take the money you you just got the appreciation from seven years, even though it may go up a little bit more. But historically, if something goes up that quick, it's gonna come down that fast too. Yeah, yeah. I agree, especially when you're talking stocks. Let's say you got lucky. And you threw your money into something and it doubled overnight or, or on a real short term and you made a killing and it was a home run. It's probably going to set you up for failure because you're probably going to think you can do that all the time, every time. And you're going to end up investing in something else. That's the next big thing that's just going to blow up and eventually it'll bite you. Again, statistically, play math the is, long game. Math is math. Play the long game. But I think the other thing that people aren't looking at, too, is it is a long game, right? <clears throat> And they're right. They talk about short-term investing or short-term and you know all this kind of crap. But you look at it and you go, the role. When I use the term the role, why don't you, why don't you define to our, our listeners again what the role is? You're talking compound interest. Well, that, but the role of of that, and also the role of of investing or the role of you buy one property, roll in the second one, you just get that roll going. You really just pick up momentum. Yeah. Go ahead. You got it. That's it. Nailed it. You nailed so, it. So. My point about compound interest formula is too. If you, there's all kinds of stuff you can look on the internet today or Instagram, and like, oh, I invested forty bucks a month for forty years, and it's worth two million dollars, some crazy amount. My point is, you just got to keep that roll going, mm-hmm. and that's a long-term play, not a short-term play. That's right. And that was sin number six: thinking short-term. Sin number seven. Lucky number seven. In this, so one of the things, if you follow Jeremy at Personal Finance Club, he ends every one of his posts with his his company motto, which is you build wealth by following the two Personal Finance Club rules. The two rules are live below your means and invest early and often. And that's a great way to live by. You know what? I got to live below your means. Yeah, I like it. Which means spend less than you make, which means you have money left over to invest. And number two is invest early and often, meaning as soon as you have money, put it in the market, play that long game. 
And so that's sin number seven is not investing early and often. Well, I think that's part of it. You know, we we talk about this a lot, but early and often part, I mean, there is always invest before you spend, which is a kind of a big deal. But I think once you get that mindset down and you're doing it, it becomes like, again, the addictive drug that you're like, whoa, I'm going to do more. I want to do more. I want to do more. And watching it grow is a pretty powerful tool. I think a good rule to live by, and I, I man, this is what we talked about in the last episode. If I, if we only had the information that we have now when we were 18 or 22, how much more powerful we would be, how much better off we would be right now. Oh, yeah. If I if somebody had told me this, if I knew that this was possible, if this was even a thing, oh, man, it's been fantastic. Yes, live below your means, right? Keep yourself fed. Keep the lights on. Keep clothes on your back. Get yourself to work back and forth every day. I feel like anything beyond that that you want to purchase, you should only purchase it with money from passive income. So let's say, for example, you want that Rolex, right? Rolly. I'm not buying that Rolex until I either own enough real estate, have enough cash flow, have enough passive income that has built up from income producing assets. I'm not buying that Rolex until that money comes from the assets. I'm not using my W-2 or my job income for that. Sure. If I really want it, I'm going to go buy a piece of real estate. And then when the, when the money piles up enough to buy that Rolex, then I'll go buy the Rolex. Sure. Arguably what would happen though, is once you get, once you really start to learn the power of passive income, and the power of the compound interest is that once you have enough money for the Rolex, you're going to be like, oh, hell no, I'm not buying a Rolex. I'm going to buy another piece of real estate. That's how. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. I mean, it's, it's kind of that drug to build you up toward it. Yep. And then it's like, wait, I can do more with this. I can actually earn. Mm-hmm. And, I always, and I always tell my you know others and coach and teach that why are you working so hard for your money? Make your money work hard for you. That's right. And that's the whole point that I think that, that we're really kind of talk about here and, and as we go through this and said in the sins and all that kind of good stuff, but I want to make money while I'm sleeping. Oh, hell yeah, player. And I li- you know, I like a good I sleep. I agree. Yeah, I want to make, I mean, I want my money work as hard as it can for me because I don't like to work for it and I like that. I love 15 days after the end of every quarter. Let me tell you, mm. it's my favorite part of the year. That's right. Four days a year. So that's the seven sins of investing. And again, I want to give full credit. One last time I'll mention, go follow him. It's Jeremy at, uh, the, the handle is Personal Finance Club, all one word. And uh, he's out of San Diego. He has a great Instagram page, lots of cool information, lots of cool infographics, lots of data, which I love. I love like me some numbers. Data. Love me numbers, love me a spreadsheet. So I'm going to give him a shout out when we do an Instagram post on this one. But uh, that's the seven sins of investing. And I really like this list, man. This is all these things you can really... You can really take to heart, and if you put these into practice, you'll be in good shape. There we go. So that's it, Jim. That is the end of episode 28. It was a good one. That's it. Again, Hope you enjoyed it. Send us an email, pofupodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at pofupodcast. And that's it. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.